0: to the Media Camp Podcast. My name is David. My name Matt. And we are the Taylor Rose. Coming at you with another episode. But not live this time. But hopefully we are alive. You. And we hopefully
1: are. you are. <laughs> yeah,
0: everyone is alive. Great. Woo. And everything is balanced in the world. Balanced. And why would you say that word, Matt?
1: Well, speaking of balance, <laughs> <laughs> there's often a push for work-life balance. Hmm. But a article I read recently, and some stuff you uh, read and looked into, says that actually this push for work-life balance is fatally flawed. Mm-hmm. It's the wrong pursuit entirely.
0: So yeah, I think the title of it was the, you know there's a hundred page report based on a survey of five thousand people and fortune fortune. Dot something rather. com probably
1: We'll put the link in the they reference
0: it. I couldn't read it because it was behind a paywall for me, but Matt couldn't read could. it. I could. I don't know why. So maybe great. you will be able to read it. Maybe it won't. Maybe, maybe you'll pay for fortune it.
1: fortune will favour you.
0: Yes. But the the sort of headline was... The headline was
1: The pursuit of work-life balance is fatally flawed according to a 100-page report on this survey. It's all about the power of choice.
0: So what do you, what do you think that means? If you could give the executive summary in two or three lines.
1: Well, the executive <laughs> summary in two or three lines, thanks for the preparation. Yeah. I'm glad you gave yeah, me yeah, that give give really lovely Yeah, give me the bullet
0: points. Yeah.
1: Come, this is why I say come at your life. This is how that? it feels like to me.
0: <laughs> did you enjoy that summary? That was a nice two or three lines, wasn't it?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Basically what they were saying is even up to four years after the pandemic started, lots of people working from home, there has been a push back to let's get back to the office and, or maybe a flexible but let's mandate some days in. And what they were saying is organisations or workers where organisations are mandating any of that aspect, workers are, are less, uh, enjoy that less and, and are more likely to lead to absenteeism. absenteeism and even I think there was a, a new word I'd never heard of presenteeism, which is where you're showing up, but you're really unproductive and effectively what they're saying is you you get the worst of both worlds so you don't get the kind of efficiencies of everybody's just in the office all the time you don't get the freedom and the flexibility of truly getting to choose it's you get the worst of both worlds mm-hmm. uh, and people's because of those mandates people's well-being because they their what's it called autonomy mm-hmm. autonomy is taken away from them and so they were saying A lot of experts are are moving towards this idea of actually you're better off truly giving freedom to people and and allowing them to either work from home or from the office or a mix as they want and maybe incentivizing things but not mandating things
0: Mm. and this obviously is true probably for white-collar working yes it's not true across the board uh, Uh, and
1: it's not going to work for your operators of your nuclear power station I'm going to work from home today, Jeff, if that's all right.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, there are certain jobs where this is an option and certain ones where it isn't. Um, But where it is an option, and I think the world is still trying to wrestle with what does hybrid working look like? What does that look like? But ultimately, that opportunity of choice and autonomy seems really powerful. And one of the things I talked about was that having choice the benefits of that outweighed the benefits of having the team in place at the same time. Yes. So, like you know, we think having, and lots of people rightly would say, having teams together at the same time in the same space can be really valuable. Mm-hmm. But the benefits of choice are even greater than that. And I don't know necessarily how they measured that. Yeah, I don't so that's, know so. Maybe a bit intangible, but maybe they were looking at it through that work life balance and how mm. it was perceived for their maybe well being and mm. their productivity.
1: Yeah. And I think it's worth mentioning as well from what I understood from reading it, this wasn't a scientific study. This was a rep- a survey to 5,000 mm. people. So 5,000 people is not an insignificant number, but it's not necessarily a peer reviewed study where they've made these findings. It's, this is surveys to workers on how they feel
0: so. and, and it's yeah 5000 people willing to have that chat you know like let's be honest that's sort of maybe a bit of a subset of people exactly. as well so um, plenty
1: a uh, a healthy pinch of salt before this is the this is definitely not the final word on this yes
0: yeah, so and everyone has their own perspectives you know people who are in a lot of real estate they kind of want people to be in the office uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know there is a, a push that way and of course you know because, I wonder why yeah I'm not sure either but so everyone has their own angle on it and getting a clear picture on this as with many things might not be straightforward complex uh, yeah complex but I think we could resonate with the truth part of this maybe which is that choice is quite a powerful thing when we have mm. choice mm. it can feel quite empowering <clears throat> uh, when we don't have choice it can feel quite restrictive if we've had choice and it gets taken away, it can feel very uh, constrictive.
1: Right, well, it can even feel like an attack. Mm. Um, it, it's one of those things that, again, it, I've heard it said quite well, is where often what we do when we're managing or leading someone is we don't just tell them what we want doing, we tell them exactly how to do it, mm. which is ultimately we, we want them to be us. Mm. This is how I would do this job. So rather than giving a goal, what we actually give is the exact process we want them to do. Mm -hmm. And any deviance from that is perceived as bad and even maybe disobeying. Mm -hmm. Whereas actually a much more empowering and potentially more fruitful leadership strategy is to go, here's the outcome we want. Go and figure it out. And if you need help, ask, you know. And that then allows them to potentially discover new, innovative, more efficient, or even just equally as good but different ways of doing it, which fits them. So,
0: And I suppose... I, as I'm a trainee teacher at the moment, um, I've done a lot of teaching, but also I'm reading a lot about teaching, mm. uh, writing assignments and things. There's another ang- angle to this that maybe brings it together, which is that when you're dealing with a novice, mm. they need a lot more guidance. You yes. They need explicitly telling what to do. Yeah. And you show them, you say, this is what to do. This is how to do it. I'm going to show you this is how you do it. And now i'm going to show you again and you finish that last step then i'm going to show you again and then you do the last two steps and you know you've got sort of these faded examples so they need much more direct mm. and explicit instruction and then they need practice on that but if you do that with experts it actually can be well it's definitely not positive it can potentially be negative mm. and so they were saying learners learn really well through direct instruction and worked examples but experts learn best through problem solving. Yeah. And so most adult workers in this sector are going to be closer to expertise than they are to novice. Mm-hmm. Most. Maybe you have an onboarding process where you're like, hey, this is how we do it. And, you know, this is your, your flaw. We're going to put that in to make sure you don't mess up early doors. Yep. But actually, there's a releasing to become expert. And I suppose once you've done that, once you've maybe got your degree and your master's and you've worked for 10 years of experience, you have develop a level of expertise and professionalism that feeling micromanaged is painful awful i think people hate it and you know like you said you're recreating that so but it's recognizing where people are are they expert are they novice and that can affect how you how you should manage a person Mm, absolutely and i
1: think there's a couple of other aspects on this you know this this idea going back to just solely on work-life balance and the Bit that they were focusing on was this idea of mandating time in work or in the office together, and it's this. It's almost like it's trying to be a one size fits all. Because yes, you can mandate a single day or a couple of days. You know, everybody comes in on Monday, or Tuesday, but that doesn't really necessarily get you the benefits of people working together. Because if they're just going to be doing the same things they were from home together, does that does that make sense? It would be much better to be going. We're going to have times where we come in but it's for specific activities where being together is really beneficial and it's mm-hmm. much harder to do it outside of that. Mm-hmm. Likewise, I think one of the things people maybe fear or, or, or r- rightly have seen a lot of the um, outcome of is when we work remotely from home, it can be isolating. You can work from home and not interact with people unless you are specifically working with them. And so, again, the call isn't necessarily we've got a mandate that people meet together, but it's a how can we encourage In that environment, uh, uh, you know, activities or things that will help people to still stay connected. Mm -hmm. Working from, you know, working remotely shouldn't necessarily mean working alone.
0: Oh, 100%. Um, I just think that idea of choice is is really important. And we can come back to that. And you got me thinking about teamwork as well. Because I was reading, no, I was listening to a podcast by Dylan Williams. And he was like, you know, we often talk about project work and teamwork it, it, for children. That's really important. He said, but most people are unwilling to design their task well enough that it is required. And he mm. said, ultimately, you have to give a task that is impossible for one person to do. Hmm. So the first thing, it has to be too big for one person to, be, to, to do it. Um, and then he said, you actually, the consequences have to be group. Right. right? Yes. So something like, hey, you know, you're going to do this group task. And at the end, you're all going to do a test and the group gets the mark of the lowest person. Wow. Because that forces the whole group to work together. Yes, you can't just
1: go. I'll just do all the work and then stick their names on the report. Yeah,
0: which so you you know you have to bring the top people in to help the like other people and the other people. Everyone has to then be a part. Wow, and it forces you to work together. So yeah, that feels really tough. But ultimately, if you don't do that, you don't get the benefits of teamwork for for students. Yes, and you you know we talk about this in the workplace, and you think, yeah, how many of the projects really. Do we design well enough? You know, are we having that meeting because we need the whole team there or not? You know, and is it big enough to need that, or actually is it because we You know, lots of people say this would be right if I did this on my own. Mm, yeah, <laughs> and and sometimes that might be a reality. Maybe the project isn't big enough, or maybe um, there are other things at play. Absolutely,
1: that's a fascinating idea. I think the the last the last part of this article that really resonated that in the sense of I was a new way of thinking about it for me, but it was one of those ideas that was simple and oh yeah, of course. They said, we know that well being is a holistic thing. It's, it's you can't separate out one part of your health from another or your well being from another. Mm. And we've talked about kind of mental health as you know, as a part of your overall well being. And we talk a lot about the mental health, but if your physical well being and relational well being is not well, mm. that's it's it's isolated. They were saying you do, we don't ever talk about kind of health life balance or even, you know, if someone's struggling with loneliness or feeling isolated, your community life balance. We recognise that that is a part of the whole. So, again, your occupational life and well being is part of your overall well being. I mean, you just showed me something uh, in uh, before we started recording, which was hilarious. It was this idea, and I'm a big fan of that positive mindset and the way that we speak is is an important thing. So this idea of we talk, you know, we talked about that mindset shift at the beginning of the year. Instead of saying have to get to, uh, but then the person was like, you know, in the meme, it was, "Oh, I get to uh, work long hours and sacrifice my personal life," and then they start crying, and it goes, "Yes, if." If my work life is literally overtaking and sapping energy such that there is no space for anything else, that, of course, is going to affect everything. Mm. And no matter how positively I think about it or no matter how many even, you know, material benefits that gives me, I get recompensed Mm. or compensated for, actually it doesn't make up for the fact that it's costing me physical energy, it's costing me mental and emotional energy and, and all of the other maybe opportunity costs. Yeah. So, I like that idea of, once again, instead of thinking of work is this ethereal other thing that's not really, and you've got to balance it out with your life. No, work is such an intrinsic part of our overall well-being. And it's not then surprising that more and more people are more likely to say, I would prefer a bit more autonomy over my time than even a
0: race. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we've talked about that in a number of different ways and I know we're going a little bit long but I think this does touch on a lot of different things that we've talked about which is just that idea that we are making choices and I listened to another podcast I think it's called the financial audit and they basically this person that sometimes it's a person that's phoned up and this guy goes this is what I would do if I were in your situation mm. and they've got ranked up like credit card debt on like multiple things and they have this and that and this and he's like okay Oh, and you're spending all this money on like eating out and this and that and that. And he says, okay, I've looked at your numbers, your car loans, your credit card loans, all of this. You need to not have any fun for 18 months. And you need to take on a second job. But then you're going to be out of the red if you can do that. And it's really hard, but can you do that? And so there's that aspect of like, yeah, maybe you need to do that for a time. Yes. But also other people have looked at this issue and gone... I don't want to take on a you know a house mortgage for a house that I'm going to be paying for for the next thirty years. Why don't I try and look at a more affordable way of living? Let's look at the tiny houses. Hey, I can build that on a bit of land and put it on a trailer or whatever and do that and so you know there are different ways of solving a problem. And sometimes we can look around and go, well, everyone else is, you know, invested in the house and, you know, got the car loan and this and that, but actually there are other ways. And so maybe if the job you need to do for now, for your current standard of living is not the payoff you realize, Mm. you know, find another way of moving a different piece. Yes. Um, And sometimes we have a bit more ability to move those things than we realize. Yeah.
1: Yeah, there are multiple ways to solve these problems. I think the last thing I would say is if you're an employee and you feel you're in a situation where you're being mandated to do things or if you have people under you where your temptation is, we just need to do this and then everyone will fall in line. Actually, I just, again, I really like Tim Elmore's approach when he was talking raising his children. They were going through teenage um, years and thinking about something like tech or tech usage. And instead of going, I'm going to lay down some rules, he would find some research, find some articles and then go out for a meal with them. And whilst they were having their burrito, they would read it and then they would have a conversation about it and go, so, you know, after having, you know, this new information, what do you think would be a good thing? And they would have this conversation and come to a joint agreement. Yeah. And I think that's going to be a much more fruitful way forwards is how could, you know, from an employer's point of view, we want the best productivity. But also, yes, of course, we want well-being for our, our employees. And from an employee point of view, I've got to understand, yes, they are paying me for the best of my time. It's, I'm, I, You know, it's not just, I'm not God's gift to the planet and I should just get paid for being alive. Mm. But, again, if we can come to that realisation of what are some of the better ways? What are maybe, what's the third alternative, as Stephen Covey might say, which is a win-win for both? And then you're more likely to get buy-in from everyone.
0: Yeah, I like that way of thinking about it a third alternative because often these things can be pitted as an employee versus an employer yeah. and actually, ultimately, they both want to win. You, you need the organisation to be profitable or if it's a, you know, a third sector or a charity, it needs to Success, succeed with its mission yeah. if it's not everybody loses and it doesn't last for very long exactly. um, right that's enough for today's episode we've really appreciated this I hope you've taken out a few um, things that were useful or thoughtful for you today um, we'll see you in the next episode